Every life is a story. Some are bestsellers. I'm Chuck. I'm Karen. And this is Spy Stories. Who are we going to meet today, Karen? Wait, before we start, let me give a disclaimer on this because you researched this to death and there were so many sources and so many conflicting stories and so many things that historians don't agree on. So you came up with what you thought was the most accurate picture of Mary Bowser from all of the sources you could find. That's our disclaimer for this. So I'm sorry, Karen, who are we going to meet today? Today we meet who most people know as Mary Bowser. She was a Civil War era spy, and this is her story. Much of Mary's history is difficult to pin down, and a lot of what is readily available is a myth. And unfortunately, there are not a lot of sources. Although the exact date is unknown, Mary Jane Richards was thought to be born into slavery in Virginia in 1841. It was rumored that she was born into John and Eliza Van Loo's extended family, their cousins. Yes, and the Van Loo family was one of the most prominent families in Richmond. Eliza's father was former mayor of Philadelphia, and John was a hardworking man who built up a hardware business from the ground up. Because building it from the top down is really difficult. <laughs> Within 20 years, he had several factories about town and was known to have many slaves working for him. The Van Loo home hosted the elite of the time, including songstress Jenny Lind and poet Edgar Allan Poe, which I would guess Poe would not be a great house guest. Yeah, I would have to agree with you on that. It, he'd probably be a pretty depressing guy to have around. He was a pretty raging drunk, too. So, Well, that might have made it more interesting, at least. I mean, it depends yeah, on if he was- Until the furniture starts getting broken up. And... <laughs> well, there's that. The Van Loos had cousins with the surname Richards, and that's the home that Mary was thought to have been born in, and somehow she made it to the Van Loos. When it came to her parentage, Mary, who was known for her clever evasiveness, gave a lot of different answers. Once she claimed her father was of Cuban African American descent, another time she claimed that her mother was white, and yet another time she said that she never actually knew her parents. Physical descriptions of Mary in her adulthood suggest that she was very light skinned and was likely of mixed heritage. The first official record, though, that actually recognized Mary was a baptism record from St. John's Episcopal Church in Richmond that stated on May 17, 1846, Mary Jane, a colored child belonging to Mrs. Van Loo, was baptized. Yes, and this in itself was quite odd. Most slave-owning families did not have their slaves baptized at their white churches, and in fact... The Van Loo family records indicate their other slaves were baptized at the Richmond First American Baptist Church. So even more amazing is that the church Mary was baptized in was a very prominent church. It was actually the church where Patrick Henry delivered his Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death speech. 
So a baptism for a slave at that church would be incredibly rare. Right. And we don't really know for sure how Mary made her way from the Richards household into the Van Loo's. But she was obviously given preferential treatment once she got there. After John Van Loo died, Mary and the other slaves were somewhat freed by Mrs. Van Loo and her daughter, Elizabeth. Elizabeth had been educated in a Quaker school where she was given a worldview different from her social counterparts. She was taught about the dignity of human life and that people of all races were worthy of that dignity. So as she grew, so did her hatred and despair over slavery. Still, Elizabeth did not consider herself an abolitionist because she found abolitionists to often be too radical and counterproductive, and she did not approve of their often violent methods. Many sources paint Elizabeth or Bet Van Loo as a type of white savior, but like many of the Union sympathizers of the time, her thoughts on slavery were complicated. As described earlier, she believed in the dignity of all people, but she also believed the best way to help black people was to embed them with white principles, which gets us back to somewhat freed. Virginia law and stipulations in John Van Loo's will limited the freedom that the family could offer Mary, and they made her freedom de facto rather than de jure. Yes, and de facto comes from the Latin in fact or in effect or in reality, but not really law. It's just how things are. But not legally. <laughs> right. Right. And de jure is an actual legal status. De facto free, but not de jure free. So although compared to others, she was considered free, she wasn't really free in the eyes of the law. But she did work for the Van Loos as a paid servant rather than being treated as property. Elizabeth Van Loos saw it as her moral obligation to see that Mary was educated. So she was. She sent Mary up north, most likely to Philadelphia, so that she could receive a formal education. Many sources cite that Mary had a Quaker education, just like Elizabeth, but there's really no evidence of this. What's more likely is that Mary was educated by Sarah Maps Douglas. And that is where the Quaker education may have made its way into history. Sarah Maps Douglas, an extraordinary woman in her own right. She was a black woman born into a free, prominent family. She was raised in a Quaker family, but voiced her concern over racism within the religious sect. Can you imagine that? Racism even the Quakers. Within... <laughs> yeah, that's pretty the bad. Quakers were racist. Yes. Right. After she was educated in New York, she established a school in Philadelphia and founded a female literary society to encourage newly freed slaves to read and write. Now, at the time, there was a black family with the last name of Bowser, namely David Bustle Bowser. He was a noted artist who received his education by maps around the same time as Mary. Since Mary was known to be a writer, it's very possible she stayed in touch with friends made in Philadelphia at this time. Now, I know that you were confused by that section, Chuck. You were like, why is this here? It is relevant later on, the fact that she might have been corresponding with the Bowsers and other friends that she made in Philadelphia. That is relevant. Well, when Mary was 14... Elizabeth Van Loo sent her to the West African nation of Liberia, and this happened in 1855 as part of the American colonization movement. 
Yes, and the ACS was basically two groups of people, religious groups and abolitionists, and of course they can overlap, Mm -hmm. but they felt that blacks could not integrate into white society. And this was kind of the prevailing thought at that time. Now, while seemingly good intentioned, some felt that its true intent was to drain off the most educated of the free black population who often challenged slavery and thus tried to preserve the institution of slavery. Now, the program focused on purchasing and freeing slaves and paying their passage and that of free blacks to the west coast of Africa and assisting them after their arrival there. Through the program, 12,000 blacks were sent to Liberia, along with, strangely enough, 70 white prostitutes. What was that about? Just I don't know. Every a- time I looked up anything about the society, they mentioned the 70 white prostitutes. <laughs> so it, random. Kind of the crazy thing. You know, Africa is a big place. Right. It, it just and showed. slaves came from everywhere. Right. Yeah. It just and showed the like, ignorance of... of- the people sitting them over there like, oh, you know, it, it basically, I think you told me earlier, it was like a, sending a New Yorker to Texas, right? I yeah, mean, and just saying, well, it's America. Right. And uh, yeah. I mean, a huge chunk of them just died of malaria when they got right. there. Right. I mean, they suffered a lot, uh, just a lot of things while they were there. And it was, you know, they might have meant well. They a, a lot of the religious institutions were trying to make restitution. That was their goal. But it, it, it wasn't thought out well and it, it was wasn't not done the right. paradise that they right. were thinking right. it was hoping it be. would be right well although elizabeth van lu is considered a civil war heroine this particular action shows how completely rooted racism really was even in well-meaning abolitionist homes richard stayed in liberia and remember she's still a teenager supposedly as a missionary until 1860 but she was unhappy living there When she finally made it back from a miserable two-week trip back to America, she was promptly arrested. And this was because of a law that prohibited black Virginians who had lived in a free state or gotten an education from returning back to Virginia. Wow. That's pretty crazy. Pretty tough immigration laws. Jeez. She spent 10 days in jail before Van Loo paid her bail. There's no definitive reason why it took so long. Although it seems that she and Elizabeth were close, Mary had an understanding that Van Loo believed in her right to be free, yet didn't quite see her as an equal. Young Mary even showed her ingenuity during this difficult time, as she used aliases from the moment she was arrested, calling herself Mary Jane Henley, up to her release when she insisted her name was Mary Jones. Mary's quick thinking and adaptability would end up defining her life. Before the war started, Mary wed free man William, also known as Wilson, Bowser. That's where we get back to um, the family that she became friends with in Philadelphia. Despite intensive research, we were unable to officially link William Bowser with David Bustle Bowser, but it would certainly make sense that there's a family connection between the two. William and Mary were married the day prior to the Virginia Convention that led to secession. 
Like Mary's baptism, the wedding was held at St. John's Episcopal Church, and this was basically unheard of. It would make more sense if Bowser was as well-connected and well-regarded as Mary, which the Philadelphia Bowsers were known to be. The couple never had any children. In fact, the only record regarding Mary and William is that they married. That's it. And there's no indication they ever got to see one another after the war began. And post-war records indicate that Mary was no longer married to William Bowser when the war was over. In 1862, Elizabeth Van Loo began her notorious espionage work. She began her undercover attempts to support the Union under the guise of visiting prisoners housed in Richmond's Libby Prison. As she brought blankets, books, and food to the Union prisoners, she was also delivering messages and supplies. Because her family was so well-connected, Elizabeth was able to place Union sympathizers in various positions within the prison to help facilitate escapes. As her little underground network grew, she saw a grand opportunity to utilize the well-educated Mary. At a social function, Elizabeth learned that Verena Davis, wife of Confederate President Jefferson Davis, was looking for a servant to help him at parties. Elizabeth suggested Mary. Mary made herself indispensable to Mrs. Davis, and soon part-time work became full-time espionage as she took over multiple household duties. Mary's reported photographic memory, which historians actually question, and her ability to think on her feet granted her access to information that few could have. But this ability, it came at a price. Although the work was exhilarating and important, it was also grating and humiliating. Mary was a woman who was used to being treated with respect. Many even considered her an intellectual, but in disguise, she was forced to act ignorant. She had to pretend she didn't know what was being spoken, even in the face of blatant mockery and derision. Many stories say that during her stay with the Davises, that Mary went by the name Ellen Bond, but there's no actual evidence that this happened. The Confederate White House did refer to Mary as a dim-witted, also slightly crazy, but able servant. Isn't that kind of how you describe me? Well, yeah, that's how I would give a job recommendation for you. I I thought that sounded familiar. Not dim-witted, just slightly crazy and very (laughs) able. She's a a great script writer. She's kind of crazy. Well, there you go. Well, Mary obviously played her part well. The cover work rewarded Mary with a wealth of information. Serving during parties allowed her to listen in on conversations regarding troop strategies and movements. As she swept and dusted the hidden corners of the Davis home, she noted and memorized documents and plans left in plain sight. And what Mrs. Davis thought was diligence in house cleaning was really Mary combing through books and drawers for any information that may be tucked away. Once she gathered the intelligence, Mary would report it, often word for word to Elizabeth or a messenger that Elizabeth arranged to meet with Mary, usually a Mr. Thomas McNiven. Now, Thomas McNiven was a baker that would come to the Confederate White House often to sell baked goods. Every time he would come by, Mary would go out to the wagon and exchange information while he gave her the bread. It was this baker who later recalled how Bowser could recount everything word for word. Anything was used to pass information. Eggshells, 
false bottom trays, shoe soles, and similar to the Underground Railroad of Harriet Tubman, laundry on the line was even used for signals. In this McNiven, he was a pretty interesting guy himself. He was born just Niven. <laughs> but he added the MC after getting to the U.S. from Glasgow, Scotland. He joined the Scottish Waldenese Society, who reportedly helped him set up a bakery in Richmond to help cover underground abolitionist activity. So he was a plant from the very beginning. Exactly, right. The Waldenese were a religious group that broke away from the Catholic Church and spurned church order in favor of the Bible as the sole connection between God and man. And they pushed for civil rights such as abolition and even allowing women to preach, which was Ooh. very scandalous at that scandalous. time. Scandalous, yes. Now, he worked with Mary and Mrs. Van Lu and several others to make up the Richmond. One of the, the main people that they um, worked with was a prostitute named Clara. I just thought I'd add that in there. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there you go. There you go. Well, he worked with them and they made up the Richmond Underground Network. And they tried to free prisoners and gather information for the North. Right. Stint barrage of thwarted plans, President Jefferson Davis eventually concluded that there was a leak in the Confederate White House. But he didn't suspect Mary until the very end. And by the time he did, it was too late. Once Mary knew that Jefferson found out that she was the dreaded mole, she fled the Confederate White House. A lot of reports say that Mary and Elizabeth unsuccessfully tried to burn down the White House. There's actually no evidence that such an event occurred. Unfortunately, we don't have access to any of Bauer's records, or Elizabeth Van Lewis for that matter. The federal government burned all records of Southern spies in an attempt to protect them. Sadly, some reports indicate that amid all the confusion taking place when the Union took Richmond, Mary was actually assaulted by a group of Union soldiers. Fol yeah. Following this incident, there is a reference to her having spent four months in a Richmond jail. To have experienced such a thing after all of her sacrifices was almost too much to bear, and her trust in all those around her was broken. She wrote, I wish there was some law here or some protection. Having been in their service so long as a detective, I still find myself scrutinizing them. There is that sinister expression about the eye. With a little whiskey in them, they dare do anything. I find that so sad. I mean, just it devastatingly is, yeah. sad. On Van Loo's deathbed in 1900, the story of Mary Bowser made its way into the press, but many of the details were embellished, and much of Mary's story is largely unknown. We do know that Mary truly wanted to educate and empower others. In fact, just days after the fall of the Confederacy, after going back to the name Mary Jane Richards, she began to teach former slaves in the area. In 1865, she traveled through the country giving lectures about her experiences under fake names in order to protect her from angry Confederates out for revenge. There are two documented notations of her lectures, both in New York, one at Abyssinian, I love that word, Abyssinian Baptist Church in Manhattan under the name, get this, Richmonia Richmond's. 
And the next original. was at the African Episcopal Church in Brooklyn. And this time she went by the name Richmonia R. St. Pierre. So that's mm. very fancy. By 1865, Mary had returned to the South and reclaimed her name, again going by Mary J. Richards. She founded St. Mary's School, where she taught former slave children by day and their parents by night. Here's I'm a, I'm a little confused by this. So she wasn't Catholic. She was, if anything, Quaker, right? So right. do you think she named the school after herself? Was she referring to herself as St. Mary? <laughs> I don't. I think it was probably. Wouldn't you think it was Catholic associated? Uh, that would be my guess. Just had the resources. I was. Yeah. I was just making a bad joke. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. Right. You have to warn me of those. Or, I should have. Sometimes your jokes are so bad, I don't even know. Yeah, the jokes. I understand. I'm sorry. I apologize. Anyway, at the school, she taught former slave children by day and their parents by night. She spent her weekends preparing for and teaching a large Sunday school class. While in Georgia, Mary had the opportunity to meet and learn from Harriet Beecher Stowe. A letter that Mary wrote to the superintendent of the Georgia Freedmen's Schools indicated that she married again and was now Mary J. R. Garvin. Several sources say that Mary's new husband was white and the couple must have encountered an incredible amount of racism in Georgia. They ended up relocating to the Caribbean and Mary's trail wanders off after that. The thing is about spies, they're very good at disappearing when they want to. Unfortunately, history has not painted an accurate picture of Mary. In fact, speaking of pictures... Yes, the picture that makes its rounds all over the internet is a Mary Bowser, but not our Mary Richards Bowser. And this image is found all over the internet, even on very, very reliable sites. Right. And it is Mary Bowser. Just not. But it's not Mary Richards Bowser the spy. Right, exactly. We don't have any images of the clever spy, and we must only be left with what our imaginations create. And hopefully yours is pure, Chuck. It is. Good. We do know this. Mary's legacy is one of great bravery, and she leaves us with an interesting mystery about what became of a Union spy who used Confederate bigotry to further the cause of anti-slavery. You know, we've seen this in the Revolutionary War and in the Civil War. Mm -hmm. This racism, how it works so much right. for these slaves. Right. I mean, how they're able to the use it. I mean, they have to go through terrible, terrible things, but they're able to use it to great advantage. Well, because they would just talk so openly right. around people who were black and slaves mm -hmm. because they thought it was almost like they thought they just couldn't speak English. I know. It's disgusting. just weren't there right. at all. Right. And it always worked against them. Right. And, you know, we know a few of these people who just did heroic things. There, I'm sure there were many, many, many more. I mean, we just can't, even the, the spies that we know about, we know so little because it's so hard to trace slaves. I mean, it's, it's so hard to, to trace their genealogy and where they were born and where they ended up. And I mean, it's just, it's such... A blight on history. I mean, it's just so tragic. It really is. 
1995, Mary was honored by the U.S. government for her efforts in spying and was inducted in the U.S. Army Military Intelligence Hall of Fame. Mary Bowser was a captive, a student, a traveler, a missionary, a wife, a friend, an intellectual, a mole, a member of the Virginia Underground, a speaker, a teacher, a mystery, and Mary Richards Bowser Garvin was a spy. Now, we would like to thank our friends over at the Discord Podcast Junkie server. And this week, we are going to highlight one of our favorite people there, Jess. We love you, Jess. Who is who has began a very brave podcast. We would like you to check it out, and please stay tuned at the end of this show for a trailer. We'd also like to thank our Patreon supporters, Ruck, Sarah, Jessica, John. We appreciate you greatly, and if you would like to join them, we would love your support. You can find us on Patreon as Spy Stories. You can also join us at our Facebook group at Spy Stories Podcast Group, and you can follow us on Twitter at Spy Stories Pod. And if you would like to support us further, an iTunes review would be great, a positive iTunes review or a retweet or sharing one of our episodes. Yes, or you can just tell us how wonderful we are. I'm just kidding, but you you can. We'll accept that. Mary's life reminds us to use our gifts and talents to better the world, even if that means playing the fool and enduring humiliation and degradation. She reminds us that sacrifice is sometimes necessary to further the cause of freedom. She reminds us that just as Harriet the Spy says, life is a struggle. A good spy gets in there and fights. And until next time, keep fighting. This is Jessica of the Last Monday Podcast. I'm a married, 35-year-old mother of two, a high school teacher, and I'm morbidly obese. I was recently approved for weight loss surgery and decided to do a podcast about my experience from the first appointment until the last pound is lost. I hope my podcast can help folks who want to better understand what weight loss surgery might be like for themselves or a loved one, or for anyone who's just curious about the process. You can find me at queenjess.podbean.com or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts.